forgot my Bible. That's not good. <laughs> I uh, was asked by Ken a few weeks ago if I would preach this morning, and he told me he was going to be in a series on parenting, and immediately fear entered my body. Um, I want you to understand that this morning I'm not coming to you uh, with this word from a standpoint of being an expert at all. While I'm proud of my children and love them to death, I feel that there are ways that I could have done better, not because of who they are, but I just look at what I've done and say there's always room for improvement, you know. And uh, so having this word this morning um, around parenting, um, it's a bit intimidating, to be honest with you. Um, we're going to be in First Samuel this morning. It's going to take us a little bit to get there, but chapter 2, if you want to open up. Most of the scripture will be up on the screen. Um, one of the things about um, parenting that, that I have uh, always wondered about, especially with small children, is how do, how do people do it? Um, as a youth pastor, when kids turn about 11, I start to understand them. Before that, I, I really struggle. <laughs> so there are times when, when I look at parenting, and, and I'm going to show you a video here in just a moment, um, and I so cannot relate to these people, but maybe maybe you can. We'll see if this works. i got to turn this on first. Here we go. Oops. I passed it. You know what? Technology today. Let's try it one more time. There we go. Do we have the volume up, bud? Nope, we don't. Technology is awesome. We ready? There we go. Don't make me count to one, two, three. Yeah, it's the parent rap, y'all. We may spend most of our time chasing toddlers down, but we still know how to rock the hizzle. I don't even know what you just said. We used to be cool. Back in the day, back on the block. Watching PG-13 movies, staying up way after dark. Then we had a couple shorties, and now we're really flossy. Because now we be rolling with our own little posse in the minivan. Or in our little wagon, let me throw it to moms, cause the little one is sagging. I used to bling it up, I used to dress real shoe. Now I accessorize the food that's already been chewed. And that's alright, I make this diaper bag look good. When I'm walking through the mall, trying to wrangle my brood. My PB&Js will set your world on fire. I could make you mac and cheese blindfolded on a wire. I'm wiping the doo-doo, kissing the boo-boos. Got them eyes in the back of my head, I see all you do. Using your full name so you know I ain't glam. And that's why all my kiddos, they keep saying, Mom, Mom, she's the bomb. Rocking all night till the break of dawn. Cooking in peace so I'll grow up strong. Got my second seatbelt if we crash head on. Dad, Dad, he's the man. Working real hard to support the clan. Trading in his Porsche for an old sedan. Raising those brows if we get out of hand. When it comes to Candyland, I'm a stone cold player. Helping out with the homework, I'm an algebra slayer. Russell Carson's in the place without stealing my mug. If I tuck you in at night, you'll be as snug as a bug. Then I'm off in the morning to make that cheese. You may not know this yet, but it doesn't grow on trees. Now, mama, take it, please. What? Uh. I'm dropping timers like the hot potty training on my tots Washing all the pants and pots, tying little shoes and knots Giving knowledge to your brain like if your friendship off a train You don't have to do the same, not get your toys out of the rain I'm cleaning every spill, cutting coupons like a bill If you need parental skill, now you know we are for real You don't think our rhymes are ill, boy? 
then you're grounded for a mill. Mom, mom, she's legit. Making us chill when we pitch a bit. Telling us to share and never to hit. If you can't say something nice, put a sock in it. Dad, dad, he's the guy. Never get tired of playing I spy. With a constant barrage of kids asking why. And he always pretends he needs another tie. You know money doesn't grow on trees. Why buy the cow if the milk is free? This won't hurt you as much as it hurts me. If you want dessert, eat another veggie. Close that door, you weren't born in a stable. Sit up straight and kiss your aunt Mabel. Close your mouth when you chew. Get your elbows off the table. Mom and dad of the year, check it. That's the label. It's the parent rap, y'all. And it's a parent. We're great parents. Mom and daddy in the house. Mom and daddy own the house. Mom and daddy need to clean the house. Keep your hands to yourself, boy. Don't make me stop this beat. I'll do it. I'll pull this beat right over. My kids will tell you that was never us. <laughs> um, and and for some of us, you know, it, it, we can't relate to that at all. But what, part of the series that we're trying to do is, one, in, both encourage you and equip you in this parenting series. And, and again, not because Ken and I have this all figured out, but because we've, we've read what God has given us and we're going to share it and hopefully do the same. Um, all of us need to grow. So the question this morning is, how encouraged do you feel as a parent on a scale to 1 to 10? Just answer that for yourselves for a moment. When you have that number, then ask yourself this question, how equipped do you feel right now? Sometimes those numbers can be completely different. Sometimes you might feel like you have all the tools, but you're just not encouraged to do it. And other times you, you might feel like you really want to, but you don't know how. And um, it just depends on where we're at in our lives that we end up coming across that. And the reality is this, that you know there are parents here who don't have uh, little ones, and it's fun, and they have it all together like that. But your household might be like this. I hate you. Why did you just leave me alone? I can't believe you went to my room. It's my room. I hate you. You're crowning me. Can't crown me. It's just a little pot. It's just a little pot. Afraid of a few slam doors? Get over it. Really do this? Yeah. Because to help your kid with their problem, first you have to get over yours. We, we don't think for a minute that all of our houses are perfect. Um, they just aren't. And the point is, uh, through this series and every day of our lives, what we want to do is have that number move just a little bit to the right in both areas. Um, it, I'm just going to throw this little caveat in for free. I cannot wait for Jesus to come back. Because <laughs> uh, this, this parenting deal is hard. Um, but it's a blessing to you. We hope that you're both encouraged and equipped. So we're going to take a look at a couple of things. The qu- another question for you this morning is, um, what is a favorite memory that you have of each one of your children? Now, Tom, I know this is going to take a while for you to get through. <laughs> But um, uh, think, think about that today, okay? What, what's a favorite memory that you have of each one of your children? But more importantly, what is a future memory that you want to have for each of your children? Um, 
I think as we study Eli this morning, um, we're going to see that if he would have maybe kept focused on that future dream for his kids just a little bit more, things might have been different. Um, I, I believe that in Isaiah 54, we have a really good goal for us. And it says this, and they, uh, and all thy children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of thy children. And this peace comes in only being right with God. This peace comes in only having a right relationship with Jesus. That's, that's my goal. I want my kids to know the Lord and to walk with him in truth. Um, we can have other future goals. Um, I hope that this one is number one. So we get to our text. 1 Samuel chapter 2, starting at verse 12. He says, Now Eli's sons were worthless men. They did not know the Lord. Now, even though I recently completed um, my freshman college English class, um, I'm not an expert on this, so my English teachers in the room can correct me if they, if they need to. But my understanding of a semicolon is this. The semicolon tells us when we're reading something that it is either emphasizing what is just before it or it certainly goes along to make it more clear what goes before it in sentence structure. And when he says this, I want to insert this word. And I don't think you can do this every time that there's a semicolon, but in this particular instance, I believe it works. Now, the sons of Eli were worthless men because they did not know the Lord. That's pretty harsh. I think you might remember when we were talking about Onesimus and, and Paul was writing to Philemon and he says, I know that Onesimus used to be worthless. He knew not the Lord. There's a recurring theme in Scripture here. We don't want this to be said of ourselves and we certainly don't want it to be said of our children, but this is the situation that Eli is in. So we have to explore for just a moment, who is Eli? Um, real quickly, he was a priest in, uh, in Shiloh. In the period of the judges, Shiloh was about 10 miles north of Jerusalem at the time. He had two sons who were also priests, Hophni and Phinehas. And the interesting thing here is if you've like put on the brakes and said, wait a minute, you just said his sons were worthless because they didn't know the Lord. Yes, that's true. And yes, they were priests. Every person who fills the pulpit isn't necessarily saved. We, we have to have discerning ears and a discerning heart. We have to look at what's being preached, weigh it against Scripture. These men were in the office of the priesthood from the tribe of Levi, and they did not know the Lord. They were consecrated as priests, and they did not know the Lord. We're not for sure um, Eli's line. We know that he was a Levite. Uh, the first uh, thought that he might be uh, a descendant of uh, Ithmar. And then also, secondly, there's some thought that he might be from the house of Eleazar. We don't know for sure. The point is that he was a priest, and his sons were priests, and as a priest... Uh, in that system, he somehow um, lost his kids. Pretty sobering situation. I normally don't use the message, but I'm going to go ahead and give this next part of the text to you out of the message because I think it's just easier to understand. <laughs> Eli's sons were a bad lot. They did not know God, and they could not have cared less about the customs of the priests among the people ordinarily when someone offered a sacrifice, a priest's servant was supposed to come up while the meat was boiling and stab it with a three-pronged fork into the cooking pot. And the priest then 
got whatever was on the fork. So it wasn't that the priests weren't supposed to eat any of the food that was sacrificed. That's how God provided for them. But there was a way of going about that. Next he says this, But this is how Eli's sons treated all of the Israelites who came to Shiloh to offer sacrifice to God. Before they had even burned the fat to God, the priest's servant would interrupt whoever was sacrificing and say, hand over the meat for the priest to roast. He doesn't like boiled meat. He likes it rare. Well, I guess he's special. <laughs> okay. Then he says this. If the man objected, first let the fat be burned off, God's portion, then take all that you want. The servant demanded, no, I want it now. If you won't give it, I'll take it. It was a horrible sin that these servants were committing. And right in the presence of God, desecrating the holy offerings of God. So not only were these men, uh, Eli's sons, uh, acting uh, priests in Shiloh, but they were also stealing meat that wasn't theirs, it was to be God's, and they were stealing it at a time, or taking it at a time that they weren't supposed to be taking it. If you remember uh, Hebrew law at all, they weren't supposed to eat blood. And they said, we don't care, we like it rare. Something horrible was happening in the temple. For Samuel 12 then says this again, uh, I'm sorry, 2, verse 12. Now the sons of Eli were worthless men, and they did not know the Lord. Somewhere something went wrong. Eli, a priest, a Levite, who knew the law, who knew the way of the Lord, who walked in the way of the Lord. You might remember it was Eli who prayed and blessed Hannah who gave birth to Samuel. He wasn't a bad guy. But his sons did not follow him. I have to ask why, and what would their response be? One of the responses could have been, well, Dad, you never told us. You never told us about these things. And I would guess, just because of the culture, that that is completely not an option. Now, for us, it maybe could be an option. Maybe we as parents haven't done the job of training our children. I think that we have some things that we can learn from this. If I can get that to advance. There we go. Um, we need to tell our kids about our faith. We need to tell our kids about our struggle. We need to see, let them see us walk through things. We need to stop hiding the stuff that we wrestle with. Why? Because when they get into the real world, they're like, what on earth is this? I didn't know it was going to be this hard. How did mom and dad get through that? And if we never model that for them, what are they going to turn to? I've seen student after student after student turn into a young adult, and when the hard times come, they turn away from God because they've never seen a parent rely on God to get through it. That parent never told them what was going on. We need to talk to our kids. Show them our faith. As flawed as it can be sometimes. Psalm 78.5 reads like this, For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed the law in Israel, which he commanded of our fathers, that they should teach them to their children. 
We have a job to do. You see, as a youth pastor, my job is to come alongside and supplement what you're already doing. If you're relying on me to do all the training for your kids, your kids are in trouble. (laughs) They're really in trouble. I want to help you. I want to support you. I want to help teach as well. But the main job of teaching our children are parents. We need to teach our kids. Maybe what they said is this, well, you told me, but we really didn't care. And I think in the case of Eli's kids, this is probably true. That he told them what was going on, but they saw the ministry for profit, and they wanted it. They saw what they could have and what they could glean from it for their personal selves, and they, they grabbed it and they went for it. And they, they knew about it, but they just didn't care. We have a problem if that's the response of our children. And I know that that is the response of some of our children. We're not foreign to this. It happens all the time. This is where it gets hard as a parent. Because ultimately, a kid's faith has to be the kid's faith. As much as you want it for them, as much as you pray about it for them, as much as you try to force it upon them, it's never theirs until they own it. So what happens when a kid responds, you told me, but I don't really care. We get on our knees. We keep speaking truth. We love them in the midst of their sin as Jesus loves us. Come on now. There's an old saying, you can lead a boy to college, but you can't make him think. Um, I've been interviewed a few times for a few different jobs uh, in the church, and, and one of the things that I find interesting happens at every church. It happened here, too. I'm not sure if the search committee remembers this. But I'm always asked um, at every church, how many people have you led to Christ? How many students have you led to Christ in your ministry? And I know the answer I give is never the answer they want. But I believe it with all my heart. See, the truth is this. Every student I meet, I lead to Christ. Whether they choose to follow is up to them. Every person you meet, you have an opportunity to lead them to Christ. But you can't make them. You can't make your kids follow Jesus. You can model it. You can be real before them. But you can't make them. Come on now. Bill Kennan, and some of you might know that um, I coach football at Grand Rapids High School. And uh, I work with a a group of coaches during the football season um, that have... Um, let's just say, a colorful way about them. And um, I sent Bill a a message on Facebook this week. I said, hey, Bill, I want you to know that I'm going to quote you in my sermon today. All the other coaches are on Facebook and texting me being, you can't say that in church, you know. (laughs) And and I said, no, no, believe me, I I know what I can say and can't say. But there are things that I learned from Bill. Um, I, I love Bill. I think he's a, he's a good guy. Um, and he understands students. And um, 
This is his quote um, before I give it to you. The, the situation was this, and I, I maybe have told you this before, that during the football season, we would drill all week long. Um, we'd have a game plan. We'd train them on how to do things. We'd teach them techniques. We'd come to a game, and at halftime, we're down 20 to 7. We end up losing the game, and people are frustrated, and uh, the coaches afterwards get together and have a little powwow. I meet somewhere for pizza and stuff, and coaches are kind of complaining about this, that, and the other thing, and Bill pipes up and he says this, you can't want it more than the kids do. All you can do is teach them. Your wanting it isn't going to make it happen. Now, does that mean it's bad to want it? No. The want in us as teachers, let's bring it back to our spiritual lives and, and teaching our children, the want for us as teachers is good. The want for us is what drives us to sacrifice other things in order that we might teach them the truth. But we can't make them say yes. All of the wanting that we have will not make them accept it. Now we got to the rest of the story. First Samuel, we're going to jump down to verse 22. Now Eli was old. And he heard all the things that his son was doing, all of Israel, uh, to all of Israel, and how they lay with the women who served in the doorway of the tent of meeting. And he said to them, "Why do you do such things? The evil; uh, these are evil things that I hear from all of the people. Now, my sons, the report is not good, which I hear." the Lord's people circulating. When I first started to study this and when I first started to read it, I stopped right here and I started to get really upset with Eli because I thought for a moment, and and you're going to know that this is going to change by the way I'm laying this out, but for a moment I thought this, Eli, you just care about what it looks like. That's all you care about. It doesn't matter really what they did. All you care about is what it looks like. Now, here's, this is just kind of a freebie for this morning. How many of us have jumped to conclusions before we've known the whole story? I am so guilty of that. <laughs> Far more often than I like to be. That's what happened here, too. I, I wanted to judge Eli for how he was a parent. I was telling Ken that as I studied this over two, over two-week period, my thoughts of how this sermon would be delivered totally changed because I was just looking at Eli as a bad dad. <laughs> Look what he says next in the first part of the next verse. He says to his sons, he turns it to the Lord, right? It's about the Lord. He said, if a man sins against another man, God will mediate for him. But if a man sins against the Lord, who can intercede for him? Eli's heart went out to his kids, but he didn't, he didn't make it about him. He didn't make it about him. He made it about the Lord. And then he says this next. Really, parenting never ends. I'm sorry, we'll get to what he said next in a second. The reality of that verse is parenting never ends. It doesn't matter if you're doing the parent rap and you're doing it all right and everything's running like a well-oiled machine or if you've got slamming doors in your house or if you sent them off to college or if you've got 30-somethings with kids that have diapers hanging and you're a grandparent now or you know your, your kids are 60. Parenting never ends. 
Nobody told me that before I had kids. <laughs> it's okay. Well, you look at what Eli is doing here. And even though he made mistakes early, he came back and he wanted to point those adult children to the Lord. We learn that it never ends. In the second part of the verse, it says this, but they would not listen to the voice of their father, for the Lord desired to put them to death. I don't want that for any of our children. And it occurred to me this, as we come back to this idea of what is our dream for the future. What occurred to me is this. We have folks here who aren't married, that are single, or they're widowed. So how does this passage apply to you? We have all kinds of kids in this church. We have all kinds of spiritual kids in this church. It doesn't matter their age. They're young in their faith. You can dream this dream for these kids. You can be a part of their spiritual formation. When we talked about doing the reading through the Bible plan with our students, it was an opportunity for those of you who don't have kids to say, I'm going to connect with these kids and I'm going to pour into their life and I'm going to invest in them. There are other ways that are available too. But we want our kids to have a peace with God that can only come through a right relationship with Jesus. And quite frankly, they need to hear it from more people than me from their, and from their parents. If you have an opportunity to invest in a student, take it. And you can be a part of the stream. This is my life verse. And this is eternal life, that they will know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you sent. On the days that get the hardest, and I just want it to be over, and I want Jesus to come quickly, and I want to be done, I think about this. What about those kids that don't know him yet? Maybe we can dream together. It's, you know, as we talk about the idea of the baseball diamond, this ties in well to the belonging and the bringing. Can we commit that we don't just think of ourselves and we start pouring into the lives of students, that we start helping parents parent? <laughs> If we're parents who aren't parenting, that we start parenting. If we're grandmas and grandpas and our families are a long ways away, adopt a family. These kids might have peace. You see, our, our little short message for today is parenting never stops. It never ends. There's always a kid who needs you. And part of that teaching is the Lord's table. And we're going to take, take of that in just a moment. Maybe today as you take communion, you can have a chat with your kids about what it's all about. God has asked us to remember Him, to remember the sacrifice of Christ. 
as part of passing that message along, as part of teaching our kids about our faith. We can't have that faith for them, but we can sure show them what it means to us. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you this morning for, at least for me, an unexpected message in uh, 1 Samuel through the story of Eli. I don't know how it is that you continue to pour love on us. I'm just so thankful, God, that you never stop being our dad. That you've never given up. Lord God, I just I would ask that this morning we would just take an opportunity to learn a little bit from this lesson from, from, from Eli. That we would continue to parent. If we drop the ball, that we'd pick it up and start running with you again and, and showing our kids what it's like to have a real and vibrant life with Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to ask the elders to come forward. As they're coming forward, um, I'd also like to mention that um, on Communion Sunday, we take a benevolent fund offering. I believe that there is a basket by the regular offering bag. If you would um, like to contribute to the benevolent fund, um, that would be fantastic. Kel, can I ask you to pray for the cup? Heavenly going to uh, pass the bread as uh, just if you are visiting you do not have to be a member here in order to partake we would invite you if you are a believer in, in Jesus Christ and a follower of him to please fellowship with us in the taking of this communion uh, I'll ask you all to wait until everyone has um, their bread and then we will take it together
And Jesus took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body that's given for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. And then he took the cup and he said, this is my blood that's been poured out for you. And as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, do this in remembrance of me. As the elders are collecting the cups, I just want to encourage you that, one, if you're struggling being a parent, um, welcome to the Struggling Parents Club. <laughs> and we're, we're all a part of the same group that, that is just looking to the Lord and, and reading our Bibles and, and trying to figure out how to do all of this. And it's encouraging to me that I'm not alone. 
Um, there are folks that I can go to that have kids that are about my children's age, and I start asking questions. Don't try to parent on an island, okay? Um, there are so many things that God has for you um, and so many blessings that he has for all of us in parenting. And I, I believe that if, if we adopt this attitude that um, the job's never done, we can always learn from Eli and always at every turn point our kids to God. Um, I think we're well on our way um, to, to doing what the Lord is asking us to do. So thank you for this morning, and you're dismissed.